Good morning and welcome to the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. We're a spiritual and spirited community dedicated to the free search for truth and meaning. I send a special welcome out to you who are visiting with us. Welcome, welcome. If you have questions about this faith or about this church, please don't hesitate to ask the kind and friendly people at the visitor table. They understand shy people, and they will do their best to answer your questions. This Unitarian Universalism comes from a long heritage of teaching that there's a spark of the divine in every person. It is in the spirit of that heritage that I say, let us greet the holy in our midst by turning to the person to your right and left and welcoming them here this morning. Let us say together the words by which we light our chalice, which is the symbol of our faith. In the light of truth and the warmth of love, we gather to seek, to find, and to share. Our call to worship this morning is written by Dorothy Day. People say, what is the sense of our small effort? They cannot see that we must lay one brick at a time, take one step at a time. A pebble cast into a pond causes ripples that spread in all directions. Each one of our thoughts, words, and deeds is like that. No one has the right to sit down and feel hopeless. There is simply too much to do. Sometimes folks wonder what brings us together when we have roots and practices in all major world religions here in this same room, including no religion at all, including mm, secular humanism and um, staunch atheism and including neo-paganism and other things of which we do not even know the names. One of the things that holds this congregation together is our mission. And we wrote it on the wall, and we say it together every Sunday. We gather in community to nourish souls, transform lives, and do justice. Now is the time in our service when we join together in an attitude of meditation and prayer to speak to God as we understand God, or to listen to our inner wisdom, or just to breathe in and out, feeling the life-giving breath enter our bodies, be released. As we breathe together quietly, we prepare to enter into the wise silence. It is this silence that we need in the world that we're living in. It is a silence where we become aware that we are held in the arms of love. It is in this silence that we can find clarity and maybe even peace. 
Let us enter the silence together, being aware that in this congregation, the noises of small babies and the noises of life count as part of silence. Here's one thing that I love about Unitarian Universalism. The director of religious education in a New Jersey church found out that a friend of his three-year-old, a friend of his had a three-year-old son named Rue who liked to wear tutus. And Rue got bullied one day by a grown man and she felt that her son was really crushed by this encounter. And the director of religious education, my friend Tim in New Jersey, is a tall guy, big guy. And he found a tutu that was purple and pink, or maybe he had it already. I'm not asking. And he put it on over his clothes and took pictures and posted them on Facebook so that Rue could see another grown man wearing a tutu. And then another picture appeared of another Unitarian Universalist man wearing a tutu with the same hashtag, tutus for Rue. (laughs) And now this little three-year-old boy can be strengthened by looking at the pictures of these men in his larger congregation, his Unitarian Universalist world, and he can resist the cultural enforcers a little bit better because these men are supporting this three-year-old. I love that, and that feels like kindness to me, and it feels like church to me. What do you love about Unitarian Universalism? Friday night, 240 of us got together. I'm including the children because they are part of us and they were here. We got together and we talked about what we love about this congregation. And we talked about what we wished this congregation would be able to do. And we talked about action steps that we wanted to take. The things we love are up here on the hearts. The things we wish are back there on the scrolls, and the action steps are back there on the arrows. So you can have fun perusing when the service is over. Some members of our youth group were there, some young adults, older adults, and we all listened to each other. In fact, a member of our youth group was asked to facilitate one of the larger discussion groups. And that is what church looks like to me. Please stand up if you came to that party. Is there anybody here who was there? Wonderful. And now please remain standing if you helped to make it happen. All right. I'm not through. 
Please remain standing if you stayed to the end and cleaned up. Thank you. The reason we came together is because this is that time of year, as I said, when we ask one another to make a commitment of financial support to the church. And it's important for us at that time to talk about what the church means to us. That's what Gay talked about. The canvassers will make contact with you. They want to have a conversation about this church. They want to hear from you. Um, what you like, what you wish for, what actions you wish the church would take, what actions you want to take. The people who were here Friday night really dove into the deep end, giving up a Friday night to talk about this place and to hope and connect and be excited from the deep end of their hearts. They're not just dabbling. Those people were not just dabbling in church. These people were really diving in. And it is these dreams you will be fueling with your financial commitment that you talk to the canvassers about. So right now, I want to give you a little piece of information, and then I'm going to ask you to forget it. A little piece of information is this. If we divide the church budget by the number of members, we come out with a, with a minimum of $1,500 a year for each person, not family, each person in the church who's a member. Now... I'm going to ask you to forget it because for some people that amount would be easy. It wouldn't cost them a little piece of their heart. For other people that amount is completely out of reach. So this congregation asks that you be generous within your means. This is what I say at every new members class. We ask that you be generous within your means and that is between you and your conscience to give enough so that a little piece of your heart comes to take up residence here. So you take it personally, what this church is doing. So you're really interested and it matters to you what's happening here. I pledge every year and I try to increase my pledge by 20% every year. And um, it's going to hurt a little this year, but I'm going to do it. Because I believe in those Loves and I believe in those wishes and I believe in those action steps and I believe in that mission. And I believe in you. So why do we do church? Why are we here? As Gay said, we're here in order to gather in community. And community means connection and community means accountability and community means fun. Community means parties. Thank you again, Jillian. Community means learning together and experiencing things together and holding up our share. And we come here because we need our souls fed. We have longings and we have thirsts and we have angers and we have hungers and we want our souls fed. And we also need to feed someone else's soul. And the way you feed somebody's soul really is by seeing them and hearing them, being curious about them. We feed one another's souls by teaching, discussing, by passing our 
values onto our children. And we want to transform lives. We want to help people who are homeless. We want to help people who are asylum seekers. But we don't want to just kind of drop in and help. Because partnering with people who need what we have transforms us, and we need that probably more than they need us. Those of us who need our opportunities for those of us who have something to give. Does that make sense? And so we want to learn and be transformed by being in solidarity with people who are in the sacrifice zones of our culture. The sacrifice zones mean these are the people that our culture thinks don't really matter. We don't really see those people. Those people can have bad water in their communities, and, you know, it just doesn't matter as much as if there were bad water in other communities. You know what I'm talking about. There are deeply sacrificed rural areas in our country, and there are deeply sacrificed urban areas in our country. And really, there are starting to be sacrificed suburban areas, too. We have so much work to do, and it helps us to do that work. And we can do things together that we can't do alone. We have power as a group. Many drops of water can turn the mill, singly none, singly none, but we can do it together. My theme for this um, fall is going back to basics. That's my theme for myself, and so it's kind of coming out in my sermons too. And so I want to tell you where this church came from. What are the roots of this church? Because you all need to know the basics of Unitarian Universalism, and most of you do, but some of you don't. So here we go. I'm going to go zero to 60 here, and we're going to learn a little bit pretty fast. So our roots go back to the fourth century with a teacher named Arius who taught his followers that Jesus was created by God like the rest of us, only before and that Jesus was subordinate to God, not God himself. He was like the junior partner. And so he and all his followers were terribly persecuted. They were called heretics, but they are our forebears because we teach something similar. Now, in the 16th century, so the mid-1500s, there was a king in a place called Transylvania, which is now kind of Albania-ish, Transylvania in Central Europe was a kingdom where Sigismund, John Sigismund, decided that there would be religious freedom. There wasn't religious freedom anywhere else in Europe in the 1550s. But he and his chaplain, Francis David, or Francis David, however you want to say it, they decided that people would be able to discuss freely without getting splinters put under their fingernails for what they said. And so... Um, a lot of people came to that area to discuss theology because people really cared passionately. Why? Because the Bible had just come out, basically, 
in a language that people could read. And they had been reading it for themselves and thinking, oh my goodness, all this thing the, the church was teaching, some of that stuff's not in here. Uh, especially the Trinity. There was a Spanish doctor named Michael Servetus who wrote a pamphlet called On the Errors of the Trinity. He couldn't find the Trinity anywhere. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, that's the Trinity. He couldn't find it anywhere in the Bible. So he wrote this pamphlet, made everybody mad, went to um, Transylvania so he could talk about it. Everybody in Transylvania, in their religious freedom, a lot of people there began to think Unitarian thoughts. Unitarian just is as opposed to Trinitarian. God is one versus God is three. Are you with me so far? All right, awesome. John Calvin, the father of the Presbyterian Church, where I came from, um, hated Servetus and burned him at the stake for his effrontery in declaring that he couldn't find the Trinity in the Bible anywhere. Um, And his effrontery in actually showing up in Geneva, which was John Calvin's town, and actually showing up at the back of John Calvin's church while John Calvin was preaching and standing there kind of basically going. (laughs) And it was that martyrdom, that fire, that really gave Unitarianism energy to travel. Um, And it spread throughout Europe, and then it spread into the New World, where we are. Uh, Thomas Jefferson liked Unitarian ideas so much that he wrote to a friend in the 1800s that By the time he was gone, every young person in America would be Unitarian. He saw great potential in our movement. In the 19th century, Ralph Waldo Emerson, Margaret Fuller, Henry David Thoreau, and those folks were the transcendentalists. And they brought Eastern religion, Hinduism, Buddhism into the liberal Christianity that was Unitarian at that time. And suddenly they were talking about how everything was one and connected and how there was one soul of all things and how um, nature could be worshipped and how you could find God by taking a walk in the woods. In the 20th century, the humanist movement washed through Unitarianism and we became very... Um, skeptical and devoted to reason. So we have this uh, combination of transcendentalism and intellectual rationality and skepticism about spirituality of any kind. And then, in 1961, we merged with the Universalists, a pretty traditional Christian denomination. What could go wrong? What actually happened or is happening right now is that the two are combining because, you know, 1961 is yesterday in church time. The two are combining into a pretty stout gumbo that is strengthening us and helping us do what needs to be done in a culture that seems to be at a point where things are breaking apart, but in a good way. Things are breaking apart in a way that brings our attention to the sacrifice zones and the lack of constitutional rights for certain people and the danger 
of walking down the street or being a petty criminal when you are black or brown because sometimes you can get executed for a really small crime. And people used to just go, well, they shouldn't have been, whatever they were doing, selling loose cigarettes. But now we are understanding, by we, I mean white people who have been asleep until now, we are understanding that you probably shouldn't get the death penalty for selling loose cigarettes. You probably shouldn't get the death penalty for driving too fast in a neighborhood. We are starting to join the conversation that's been going on for a really long time, the conversation in the black and brown communities of how this nation is set up in a way that's kind of messed up and we need to fix it. And it's not the job of the black and brown people to fix it. It's the job of the people who built it that way to fix it. Does that make sense? And I could be wrong, but I got to say what I see is true. Now, where am I in this sermon? Okay. <laughs> I just got to preach it for a minute. Oh, wait a minute. I am preaching. One of the things that we look at when we go back to basics is the values of this congregation. The values that this congregation came up with when asked what its values were, were transcendence, connecting with wonder and awe of the unity of life, community, to connect with joy, sorrow, and service with those whose lives we touch, three, compassion, to treat ourselves and others with love, four, courage, to live lives of honesty, vulnerability, and beauty, and transformation, to pursue the growth that changes our lives and heals our world. So we have these very deep values. And we're just regular people in a church that's just trying to do its best with what it's got. But we want transcendence. And we want community. And we want compassion. And we want courage. And we want transformation. <sighs> I want those things too. And those things live at the deep end of the heart where the risks are big and where the disappointments are huge and where the joys are, love, are lovely. That is where we have to live and we have to come with our commitment from that end of our heart. I remember finding the Unitarian Universalists when I was in my late 20s. And I loved the way those people wanted to do justice even if they didn't know really how. And I loved the way those people talked about nature. And I loved the courage that was there. And I loved the music that was there and how widely it could vary. And I loved the conversation and how questions were valued. And I loved the things that you could say without somebody clutching their pearls and falling over. I loved those things. And I have been since then deeply nourished by Unitarian Universalism, and I have been since then deeply disappointed in Unitarian Universalism, and I have been challenged to grow, and it feels real. I want to stick with it. So I'm coming from the deep end of my heart to support and strengthen this place where grace, 
surprises us by looking like a teenager with blue hair leading a large discussion group and being listened to with great respect. Where Grace surprises us by looking like a tall DRE, Director of Religious Education, in a tutu. That looks like church to me. What does it look like to you? Will you say with me the words by which we extinguish our chalice? We extinguish this flame, but not the light of truth, the warmth of community, or the fire of commitment. These we hold in our hearts until we are together again. To love and to all friends I will sing. I will sing to love and to all friends I will sing. To love and to all friends who pain and sorrow mend with thanks unto the end. I will sing, I will sing with thanks unto the end. I will sing. Go in peace. This is a production of the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. For more information, go to our website at www.austinuu.org.